Wait, Sheena Shea and Tom Schwartz made out in Vegas. Lala is annoyed with Ariana. And yes, I watched Bethany's Reality Reckoning on Hulu, and we're going to break it down today. I hope you is ready. You're listening to No Filter with Zach Peter, your go-to source for all the latest pop culture and reality TVT, surf fresh all week long. Now, let's dive in. Hi guys, happy Tuesday. I hope you had a great Monday. I hope your week is off to a great start. Can't believe, one, we're already in Hanukkah. Oh, ignore the wet spot on my shoulder. I got bronzer on my shirt and tried to wipe it off. But um, yeah, we're already into Hanukkah. We're getting ready for Christmas next weekend. I have not begun my Christmas shopping, so I am very behind. Uh, well, actually, I've started to. I've started to do a little uncommon goods shopping, but... um. Outside of that, I haven't done, I haven't really given it much, much thought. So let me know where you guys are at with all that because I know I'm a little behind, but I did get in my morning workout. I've been trying to, you know, just make sure I've been keeping my head right, my mind right, my body right, all the things, right? Right. Okay. So we got the new Vanderpump Rules trailer. We have Vanderpump Rules that'll be returning at the end of January. I believe January 30th is the official release date. Today we have the um, like the special, like the how did we get here, all the biggest scandals that led us to this point, which exciting. I'm going to be recapping it with Josh tonight on his YouTube channel. So you can go and subscribe to Josh from Louisiana at Josh from Louisiana. Here, I'll type the, the link in the live chat. That way you guys can um, uh, you can join us this evening. Um, but because we're going to watch it live and then recap it and chat all about Vanderpump and probably chat about the trailer, which I'll break down. I'll recap the trailer today. We'll get into Tom Schwartz and Tom Sandoval two teas in a pod. And we will talk about the Hulu documentary, Reality Reckoning. It had Bethany Frankel. It had Nick from Love is Blind. It had Liam McSweeney from Real Housewives of New York. And it had some dude that like wasn't really on Love is Blind, but like wants to sue the network. We'll get into all of that. But let's just kick it off from the top. Make it drop. That's some wet and gushy. Um, ooh, thanks, Chris Gagnon, for the super sticker. Appreciate it. Um, all right, guys. Love it, love it, love it. Let's dive in, shall we? Um, okay, let's start with the Vanderpump Rules trailer. It dropped on Monday right after the show came out. It had just dropped on social media, and then everybody was sending it to me, and I was like, ooh, let's get it. So... Um, it opens up with Ariana basically saying, I'm a survivor. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop up. I'm going to work harder. Then, and that she'll keep existing without Tom as she already does because she doesn't need to be around her ex if she doesn't want to be around her ex. Period. Dot. Then we see Tom Sandoval and he's ready to start dating again. He's single and ready to mingle and he's doing his little dance moves at the bowling alley. And then Katie tells Sheena, you can't hang out with Tom Sandoval because we only wear pink on Wednesdays and you're wearing sweatpants. And that's just not cool. And Sheena's like, what? And then Schwartz decides to go blonde and looks like the uh, dad bod Ken. We see Ariana's new boyfriend and she's like asking him to move to L.A. And he kind of like looks uncomfortable. It's a little alarming to me that he's already on the show. He's already like, you know, all over publicly. Like it just worries me for her. The fact that he's already just fully submersed into her public life and that he's on the show. Like it's just and it's also concerning that she 
is putting him on the show so soon into their relationship. So I don't know. I mean, he's clearly just a rebound. I don't know if she's doing this to like rub it in Sandoval's face that she's okay and she's better um, without him or what, but it's just, ooh, it just, it was a little, I don't know. I guess we'll have to see more of their relationship this season, but I'm not like super confident in what we're going to get with them um, or that they're going to go the distance. I just want her to see in a ha- I want her to be in a happy place in a healthy place with a healthy relationship. And I just think this new guy is a little too soon for her to be diving all in. Then we see Schwartz and Joe and we know Joe is Kristen Doty's crazy friend. Um, Schwartz claims that he's not dating and she's like, what are you embarrassed of me? Which I mean, I don't Maybe they're just like, like they're friends, but like casually like hooking up or dating and she gives blowies on the side. I don't know. It just, I don't know. Something about it just feels a little, a little off, but they're not dating according to Schwartz. But we do have this like weird, strange love triangle between Schwartz and Katie and this new mystery woman with pink hair. And like, first of all, everybody should always know, never trust a hoe with pink hair. Never trust a hoe with pink hair because it's never going to go well. Like, there's just always a plot twist. There's she's going to steal your jewelry. You know, she's going to post you on Reddit. She's going to, I don't know, she's going to grab you by the pussy. I don't know. Something about pink hair chick that just feels a little off, you know. I feel like she, you, you drive her a little, you break her heart and she's going to burn your apartment down to the ground. But we'll see how that plays out. We see her kissing Katie and we see her kissing Schwartz. I don't know if it's like a major love triangle. I'm assuming that it's probably going to be like a, oh, I kissed, you know, I kissed your ex, Katie. And Katie's like, oh, well, that's cool. Why didn't you kiss me? And then it was like a cheeky sort of kiss and they kind of lean into it. But it's not like real, you know. (sighs) Then we get a Jax cameo and we see Lisa Vanderpump and he's like, you cut me off. And she's like, oh, come on. And so. That's the most we get of Jax. We don't get any of Kristen, but we did get Kristen in the Scandaval finale trailer. So I don't know how much of this new of the new season we're going to get of Kristen, but we do get some of Jax. We get him coming back probably to introduce the spinoff. Then we move on and we get the revelation from Schwartz revealing to Lala that he and Sheena made out in Vegas. And then we have a lot of dramatic scenes that seemingly show the fallout of this bombshell being revealed with Brock and and Sheena. And they seem to be having some sort of tension. And then we see tension between Katie and Sheena. I don't believe that it's as big or as explosive as the trailer made it out to be. Sheena also said, um, I think... On, it was on social media in response to Danny Pellegrino. Because Danny was like, what, Sheena, how are we just revealing this now? And Sheena's just like, just wait, stay tuned. It's not what you think it is. But it was also something that we were supposed to take to the grave that was never supposed to come out. And it did. And so here we are. Crazy that they still have secrets that are being revealed. So interesting, 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 interesting. Um. We see Tom Sandoval and he's fighting with LVP because she doesn't understand where he's coming from. And she's like, come on, like get over Raquel. And then we see Katie and Lala going at it because Katie's like, you're being a lot. And Lala's like, you're always a lot. You want to get popped. And then we have Tom Sandoval and Sheena and she's been the other woman in a relationship before. And how dare Sandoval say that? And I guess because he's trying to compare his situation with Raquel to Sheena's situation with Eddie Cibrian and Brandy Glanville, which was years ago, and Sheena claims that she had no idea. I mean, it is very different, though, right? Because Sheena claims when she was a lot younger, 
Two, she says she didn't know that he was still with Brandy Glanville, and she was never friends with Brandy Glanville. And she has apologized to Brandy since then, and Eddie was fooling around with multiple people, unbeknownst to Brandy, and telling all of these women that him and Brandy had split and that they were just together for optics or public image or whatever. Um, We don't get a whole lot of James. We do have a scene of James kind of telling Sandoval that he still needs to grow up, and that's kind of sad. We see the shot of the finale of the dude throwing the glass. Remember when it got crazy and that dude like threw and broke a glass and he had to get kicked out. I'm curious how they're going to edit that in because at first I assumed that they wouldn't be leaving that in because it didn't seem like it had much sense or connection to what was going on with the cast. It just seemed like a crazy unhinged fan. But I assume that they will probably lean into like look at how much hate Tom Sandoval is still getting crazy unhinged people are showing up just to like lash out at him. Schwartz thinks that Sandoval is still in love with Raquel. Ariana tells Tom that her lawyer will be dealing with him regarding their house and regarding her children. And Tom's like your children. So I assume she's referring to the dog or the dogs, the pets that they have. I don't know how many pets they still have. We know Charlotte passed away. So, and we do know in the original teaser that we got from BravoCon that she mentioned him trying to harm her dog. So unclear of what she means in terms of her children. Also, didn't, she had her eggs frozen, but I don't think any of those eggs got fertilized. Or did they? Remember that was a topic of conversation last season that he was going to fertilize the eggs to create what was embryos. Don't know exactly how this works. Sorry, I'm not in the baby making business, but... Maybe there was some eggs that got fertilized and those were left on ice because that was a a conversation with them last year. Remember, they were discussing and he was like getting his sperm tested and she wanted him to stop drinking so his sperm would be more viable when, you know, he jerked off in a cup with the Playboy magazine. So I don't know. Maybe they do have some kids just kind of sitting on ice and that's another like legal battle that they're going to have to deal with. So... Interesting. Yes, a lot of people in the live chat are saying maybe she's referring to her eggs. But at the same time, if she's referring to her eggs, then that wouldn't Tom wouldn't have any sort of ownership over those. Like Tom wouldn't be able like she wouldn't be fighting Tom Sandoval for her eggs because he would have no like say in that. He has no responsibility to her eggs unless they're fertilized with his sperm. So um jolene showed a photo of rachel with the new dog that's sad if rachel has a new dog and she wasn't able to keep her last dog graham cracker who what's the new name james renamed him i can't remember what he renamed the dog but it was originally graham and graham was a tear and james now has him into uh, training and he's doing a lot better but i don't know we see uh We get a scene from the finale. We see Lala and she's popping off saying that she's never experienced that someone gets cheated on and suddenly becomes God. And that's kind of how it ends with with the back shot of Ariana. She's kind of got her arm up like, yeah, I'm God, bitch. I'm thinking that this is probably in relation to, since we can tell that this is from the finale, that specific scene, it's in relation to Ariana dipping out of the finale party and not wanting to talk to Sandoval and probably getting upset with Sheena for trying to maintain some sort of relationship with him. Because from what I remember hearing about the finale, which I'm a little bummed that I didn't go because I was invited to that, but making it to San Francisco at the last minute was a bit challenging uh, that week, especially. So I decided to opt out from attending that weekend but um 
uh, from what I remember hearing, the producers wanted Ariana to have a conversation with Sandoval. She didn't want to have a conversation with Sandoval. Sheena then tried to get involved and tried to liaison or broker a conversation between Ariana and Sandoval. And Ariana kind of got upset about that. And she left because she's like, nobody's going to force me to do what I don't want to do. And I don't want to talk to him and blah, blah, blah. Even though I think she, I mean, it's hard because it's like, Show-wise, you kind of want them to have a one-on-one face-off, especially in the finale. But then at the same time, real life, she wants nothing to do with him. So she's kind of keeping up her contract by still filming around him, but having no contact with him. But I can understand why she would have gotten upset with Sheena for trying to like be a mediator in that situation and maybe trying to get Sandoval and, and Ariana to have a conversation together and Ariana storming off being upset and that's when Lala gets upset and pops off and she's just like like I don't understand why she acts so holier than thou like I've never seen someone get cheated on and suddenly becomes God so I think Lala's doing this more in a sense of like she's seen maybe a bit of entitlement coming from Ariana maybe a bit of ego coming from Ariana which granted it's only been like it hasn't even been a year since the scandal broke and like breakups especially a breakup and a betrayal of that level is going to take time and ego is going to get in the way and insecurities are going to come to light and insecurities are within the shadow of ego and I think you know it's definitely something that Ariana is just going to have to work through and get over. But like we all go a little cuckoo crazy when we get our heart broken. But I think in the finale scene, because people are trying to say that like, oh, Lala's just jealous and her jealousy is showing. I think she was more of just like looking out for Sheena and Sheena's definitely caught in the middle and Sheena has a history with Sandoval, but is also really close to Ariana, but doesn't want to support what Sandoval did. But like, you know, it's a dicey situation and it's a weird middle point for Sheena to be stuck in. So I'd imagine Lala was just sticking up for Sheena in that moment. So, yeah, I don't think Lala is necessarily jealous, but I also kind of understand like Lala was kind of scorned in her situation and she was cheated on and Randall was a terrible person and nobody really gave Lala grace. They kind of were like, oh, well, you were just a home wrecking whore that broke up his last relationship and then came into this new one. And I get that. Like, I see both sides of it. I see where, you know, people don't want to give Lala a little bit of grace because, why should she deserve grace, right? She was the other woman. And even though she claims that that was also unbeknownst to her, that according to Randall, he and Amber were done and he and Amber were already separated by the time Lala came into the picture. And then I know Lala had some rocky moments with Amber herself, but they were able to kind of, they were able to overcome a lot of that for the sake of the kids since the ocean had a relationship with her siblings. So, um, Freezing eggs are different than fertilizing. Yes, Danielle, I know that freezing eggs and fertilizing eggs are two completely different things, but I'm just saying I don't think that Tom Sandoval would have any, um, he wouldn't have any ties to her frozen eggs, but he would have ties if they were fertilized. Because once they become, again, I don't know, I'm not in the baby making business, but I believe when you fertilize the eggs, then they become embryos. Because I'm learning this on Paris and Love season two, because she talks about how, you know, they had fertilized her eggs with Carter's sperm. And so they had embryos and they're, they had five of them that came out as boys and they were wanting to get a girl. So they kept fertilizing more eggs and hoping that it would take so that they could eventually use one to um, have a baby girl. So I assume since that was a conversation last season that there are some eggs that were fertilized and now Ariana is probably wanting 
to make sure that those are hers and not his. But like, how do you even divide that? Like, what if one of them wants to move forward with the kids and it's, you know, technically, thank you, Trish. Trish says, again, Zach is correct in his legal analysis. Thank you, Trish. I appreciate that because yesterday I got dragged in the comments because everybody, because I said, what did I say about getting sued? Oh, because there were people on Reddit that were posting that Tom Sandoval was at, one of his restaurants telling people not to vote for Ariana on Dancing with the Stars and to vote for the other people. And then they said, even though Tom Sandoval said that, the person that made that claim then deleted their comments out of fear for getting sued. And I said, there, is, there are no legal grounds for that person to get sued if the information that they're putting out there is true. The only time you open yourself up to a legal case of slander or defamation is when the information that you're putting out is false and you know that it's false and you're intentionally putting it out to harm somebody else's reputation, specifically somebody that's a public figure. In this case, it would be Tom Sandoval. So I didn't think that that person, that's why I was like, it's a little fishy that this person is deleting this out of fear for getting sued if this really did happen and that was their experience. And then everyone's like, you can get sued. You can get sued. Zach, you're wrong. I was like, yeah, I fucking get, yes, technically you can get sued for anything. Anybody can sue for anything. Yes, within the realm of, of technicalities and within the realm of possibility, yes, you technically can get sued for anything. That's like me saying I could get sued by a lady down the street that says I punched her in the face. Did I actually punch her? No, I didn't actually punch her, but can she sue me and claim that I punched her in the face? Yes, she can sue me. Technically, yeah, she can sue me and make a false accusation against me and take me to court, but she would then have to prove that and it would be a waste of time to sue somebody for something that's false. So in this case... If somebody's afraid of a defamation lawsuit, why would they be afraid of a defamation lawsuit if the information that they put out was true? And then, you know, the other technicality I said was unless it was a reporter and a reporter was given information that was that was told to be off the record and then they still release that information, then that would open them up to a lawsuit. But I don't believe Tom Sandoval told some random person, this information is off the record, don't go vote for Ariana. And then that person went and posted it on Reddit. I don't know if I believe the legitimacy of that because that person deleted it. But yes, technically within the realm of possibility, anybody can get sued for anything. Because <sighs> there were so many people in the comments yesterday that were like, you're wrong, Zach. You can sue for anything. People are sue happy. I'm like, yes, yeah, sure. The sky can also fall tomorrow. Technically, yeah, that's a possible. That's when within a realm of possibility. A meteor could come and hit me in my apartment and take me out today. Yes, that's it within the realm of possibility. Is it likely? Not really. Not really. Oh, that's just a little intimidation. I thought that was like a a lawsuit is stressful and expensive. Thank you. I agree about what you post about the post. Yeah, it was a shady post. Yeah, it's you know. It is what it is. Um, Mtronic says, I was a journalist for 10 years. I studied media law at Stanford. It depends on a lot of things. If it was on their property so they can threaten, it could just be a threat, you know. But I don't, again, the other piece of that, like everybody wants to fight within this realm of technicalities. The other piece of it is how often has Tom Sandoval sued somebody for defamation or slander? Never. You really think he's going to give a shit about some random person on Reddit? Do you know how many people are spreading rumors and talking shit on Instagram and Twitter and all this other stuff. You really think he's going to care about some random person on Reddit? 
It's like, let's really like put our thinking caps on. Yes, it's within the realm of possibility, but how likely is it? Not very likely, which again, brings into question the legitimacy of that information. I know people like to take low budget rumors and make them into big headlines and spin them out of control. Remember, there was the rumor that he got some girl pregnant, which he cleared up on two teas in a pod, which we'll get into in a second. But that was another rumor that was put out out there. He didn't sue that girl. There was a girl that came out on social media and she's like, he was dating my friend and got her pregnant and then made her get an abortion. And that was the story that came out there. He didn't sue that woman for that story. And that story seems to be false because he's now denying it on two T's in a pod. So Jesus frivolous lawsuits are thrown out before they go anywhere. Exactly. And they cost too much money to sue. Exactly. It's not worth why are you going to try and sue? Trust me, I've been in positions where I've wanted to sue, you know, swamp creatures before. And I just, the cost just didn't seem like it just, it was silly, you know? And it's like, just let low budget rumors go about being low budget rumors. No ethical lawyer would take the case. Exactly, Trish. Thank you. Okay, let's move on to two T's in a pod because Tom Sandoval and Tom Schwartz were on at the end of last week and then uh, Teddy and Tamara were also on Everybody Loves Tom. So biggest things that came out of the podcast. Tom Sandoval is a big fan of Mital Complete, which is his best hangover tip if anybody needs a, a hangover tip. Um. He says that mitocomplete is great for because it has a painkiller, it has a uh, a diuretic in it, it uh, helps with nausea, um, it has a painkiller, so it has all of these things that help other people um, that help people beat symptoms of a hangover or can help alleviate symptoms of a hangover, according to Tom Sandoval. So he's a big fan of mitocomplete. So if anybody needs a hangover hack, there we go. That's how we open up the podcast. Tom says that he felt like he was drifting away from Ariana in their relationship and the way that they handled it pushed them further apart, that their relationship was really kind of rocky and it wasn't really advancing. Um, According to him, it just had grown stagnant. He does take accountability and he does seem to be very honest in that. He says that he was a little suicidal or not a little. I'm just trying to delicately deliver that information. But he says that he was in that place where he was considering that. He says that he and Raquel had a conversation on the phone where they both had discussed that. I was like, calm down, Romeo and Juliet. Not that I'm making light of of you know that. But I mean, I would imagine you have the whole entire world against you. That's a lot to deal with. That's pretty heavy. He says that he tried to apologize, but it was never enough, right? If he was crying, then people were calling it crocodile tears. And if he didn't have any tears, then he showed no emotion at all. You know, and people, he was in a lose-lose situation. But he doesn't think that he and Ariadne would have been together now despite everything. So had the the scandal not happened, he's very confident that their relationship would have ended by now eventually. Schwartz talks about cheating on Katie and how Katie handled it very well. He was seemingly impressed with how well Katie's handled, you know, all of the shenanigans that Schwartz put them through. Um, They talk about how much they love Lisa Vanderpump. She was really the one that was there for Tom Sandoval amid all of the scandal, and she kind of helped him navigate through it. She did give him a lot of grace. I will give that to Lisa Vanderpump. When everybody else was hard on him, he did get a lot of, he did get a lot of grace. Um, He's still living with Ariana. They have no contact. They speak through a mutual friend and other third-party people. He doesn't understand why Rachel just cut him off. 
which I understand as well. I mean, they seem to have been very close. I get it that she was in treatment and, you know, she was trying to work on herself and be better. I don't, again, I haven't seen much growth or evolution from her specifically, and we haven't heard much of her side of things. We'll see what happens when her podcast comes out next month and to see if there's anything new that gets revealed or any new pieces of, I don't know, accountability that she's willing to take. But I don't ha- I'm not holding my breath for that one. Tom does clarify that he never got a girl pregnant. He never made anyone have an abortion. Teddy and Tamara say that the cast of Vanderpump Rules, Tom and Ariana included, they're so real. They're so down to earth. Um, I agree. They've all been pretty down to earth and, and very humble, even up until recently. I mean, the only one that I think I've, the only two that I've been in contact with recently were Lala and Sheena. Um, but again, I mean, I just, they have always been very like non, you know, not like caught up in their head and not like fame heavy, even now. I mean, I kind of, I feel like maybe Ariana is the only one that's kind of gotten a little bit of an ego, but no, I mean, even when I saw her at Sheena's show back in August, she was still very lovely, very polite, very sweet to me. Um, James didn't really seem to talk to me, but I'd never really known him or met him before that. So I can understand why, you know, he may have been a little standoffish towards me, but you know, every, any con, uh, any conversations that I had with any of them, like I agree with Teddy and Tamara, like this is one cast that I feel like really does not have an ego at all. Um, so I'll, I'll give them that. Tom says that he knows he, he has baggage or he knows that he is baggage and that people can't really be seen with him. And that's affected him as well, because I'm assuming he's talking about like maybe Sheena and Lala because they were attached to him even at BravoCon. And that was like scandalous. How dare they like have any communication with him? How dare uh, Sheena be up in his hotel room after, you know, for an after party or whatever. I get it. And it's a tough position for him to be. It was like Erica. Erica was baggage for a long time and people didn't really want to be associated with her or wanted to kick her when she was down. So I get that. And it's just going to take a while for him to navigate through that until he gets out on the other side. The Toms revealed that they don't, uh, that they're not allowed to drink during the, the reunions, or at least the producers don't encourage them drinking during the reunions, at least not until their lunch break. It's interesting hearing, because even Ariana said that when they do film that the producers and production will cover two drinks and after that the cast is responsible for any drinks that they order and even beyond that if they have any sort of drinks the production will always cover their uber uber rides home so i get that um so it it seems like maybe some of these drinking protocols have been put into place in the past and they you know it's really just the cast that abuses these things right they drink too much I mean I was just on a set recently where you know they told us that they would cover the first two drinks should we order anything and then anything beyond that was at our own expense so I get that um I think that some of these things have been put into place. I know Bethany's trying to take a lot of credit for it now with her reality reckoning, but I just feel like the producers never want to put the cast members in danger. At least I don't think in the Bravo shows. I don't know much about The Bachelor. I know that there have been, when it comes to the competition shows, I know that those are very different because they do want to, like I remember the old of love shows, Flavor of Love, Rock of Love, those types of shows. I remember producers were really 
um, like they would want to make you go cuckoo crazy because then it created cuckoo crazy television and they would supply copious amounts of alcohol and they would, you know, didn't want, they wanted you to be a little sleep deprived that way, you know, your reactions and everything was just so much more exaggerated on these shows. But I feel like that culture, like we're so far out of that culture and I just don't see any of the current Bravo shows really encouraging that, which brings us to Hulu's new documentary reality reckoning, which we will get into. Um, but first I hope your holiday shopping is going well. And if you want to hear, where'd you get that this holiday season? Uncommon Goods is your secret weapon. Guys, Uncommon Goods is here to make your holiday shopping stress-free by scouring the globe for the most remarkable and truly unique gifts for everyone on your list. Whether you're shopping for your secret Santa or for your entire family, Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want. Like I said, I started my holiday shopping on Uncommon Goods and they just have so many unique gifts for everyone on my list. I even ordered something for myself because, you know, it's, it's, I mean, listen, you got to treat yourself too, right? Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S. They have the most meaningful and out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere, so definitely check them out. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash nofilter and subscribe. That's uncommongoods.com slash nofilter. Enter your email and receive 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods. We're all out of the ordinary. Woo woo. Financial anxiety, anyone? It's that time of year. Worrying about it doesn't help, but Earnin does. Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. It's great for any last-minute gifts for your loved ones this holiday season or if you spend a little too much this holiday season and you need a little advance for your upcoming rent, download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in no filter under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. I'll appreciate it. That's no filter under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FTIC. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Let's dive into the reality reckoning. So we open up. It's a new documentary series on Hulu. Uh, one of the latest, because we know Hulu is out there doing all the documentaries. So Bethany opens up by welcoming in Juju Chan, who's a reporter. She gives her a tour of her house. She says that she wants to be respected and wants to change the entertainment game. So we have Bethany. We have Nick from Love is Blind Season 2. And we have Leah McSweeney. We also have civil trial attorney Rich Schustein. 
And he says that, you know, reality stars are definitely signing up for this and they're definitely signing up to be exploited. That's the game, but that's what you're asking for because you want to become a star. So Rich is kind of the attorney that gives the legal analysis throughout the documentary. We also have Catherine Vanarendonk. Vanarendonk? Vanarendonk. She's got a badonkadonk. Catherine, she's a TV critic for Vulture. She says that reality TV has become a career for people. So I like that we have the reality stars, but I also like that we have this woman, Catherine, from Vulture, and we have Attorney Rich because they give more of a balanced um, opinion on things. They also have a psychologist who says that these shows normalize bad behavior and kind of analyzes it from a psychologist's point of view. I get her point. But my argument is I don't think that reality TV normalizes bad behavior. It just showcases bad behavior, right? It's like a blue light on real life because in real life, people struggle financially. In real life, people have drinking problems. In real life, people have affairs and their marriages fall apart. People say stupid shit. Like, These are just real people that are making these mistakes or that are going through these struggles. And I feel like a lot of people that watch reality TV, they watch it to escape their own lives. It's better to watch someone else be bad at the game of life rather than look at the challenges in your own life. It can be used as escapism. It can be used to make yourself feel better about your own life. In some cases, I think people find relatability in some of these struggles. They like to find somebody that's down and out that they can root for, that they can see come out on the other side. I also think when people People are high on the other side. People also like to see a downfall. You know, people like to watch character growth. They like to watch evolution. They like a character arc. They then reference Luke from Below Deck, and they show the scene when Captain Jason had to remove Luke from Below Deck after he tried to sleep with another cabin member when he was drunk and she was drunk and practically passed out. The thing with that, though, is I kind of feel like them showing that scene failed to acknowledge, like, the fact that production immediately intervened and removed Luke from the deck and that Captain Jason immediately got involved and had him removed as well. Like production was quick. You know, they immediately jumped in, they intercepted, you know. So for me, it was strange that they added that clip in because it felt like the story that they were trying to build was that production doesn't intervene and production allows bad things to happen and production encourages people to get drunk and to do bad things and they just want to film it and exploit it. But this is an instance where we see someone get drunk, try to do something and production immediately intercepts it, removes him from the situation, kicks him off the boat and then he gets fired and we get to see all of that happen on camera. So I don't think it normalizes bad behavior. It showcases bad behavior. Um, It shows what people are actually like. I mean, I don't think it norm I don't think it normalizes bad behavior. I mean maybe to an extent, right? Because then you do kind of think that it's normal to be arguing with people all the time or you think that it's normal to try to dig up dirt on people and try to expose them within your friend group. But like how many people are realistically doing that? Like how many of you are at home being like, "Yeah, I saw in Housewives that Lisa Rinna was like, let's mention let's own it, baby, own it." So you know what? I went and I found this girl in my friend group and I dug up all of her divorce papers and you know what? Here the divorce papers let me throw them on the table and expose them in front of everybody like what is that's people aren't taking that and then applying that into their lives or thinking that that behavior is normal not from my listen I like to wear my thinking cap I like to think things through to me that's not I'm not out there trying to do gotcha moments to my friends you know 
So I don't think it normalizes bad behavior. It's entertainment. I don't think anybody's watching Real Housewives as role models in society. Nobody's watching Real Housewives and like, yeah, let me try to be a model citizen by watching this woman on this entertainment television show on Bravo TV and use that to apply to my life. And because these women are behaving badly, that gives me permission to go out in society and behave badly. No. I don't think that that that's like saying Britney Spears when she was going through, you know, the height of her, you know, demise years ago or Lindsay Lohan when she was on drugs and behind the wheel and, you know, cracked out in the clubs, that that was normalizing people getting cracked out in the clubs. And we looked at Lindsay Lohan as an example. And then as a result, we were all just getting cracked out in the clubs because Lindsay Lohan was doing it like that's a stupid argument. So, no, I don't I don't agree with that. Um but the other thing that I found interesting was that the in reference to the below deck scene with Luke and Captain Jason is that they usually film that about a year, almost maybe a little less than a year before it actually hits air. That aired this year, which means that was filmed months prior to it airing on television, which means these protocols of protecting this woman from this dude, Luke, and Captain Jason intervening, this was before the reality reckoning. This was before the big Vanity Fair expose. So that means this production and these producers were already in that mindset of not wanting something like this to happen and having it caught on cameras. Like this was all something that already went down. So it wasn't like Bethany's reality reckoning had any influence on situations like that. And again, you have Tom Schwartz who just went on two teas in a pod and was talking about how they don't encourage people drink at the reunions because they want everybody to be clear headed to have, you know, conversations that are not emotionally charged, but that, you know, to be able to talk things through and probably have some closure. And the first time they have an opportunity to drink is on their lunch breaks and production does not provide the alcohol. The cast brings the alcohol in themselves. So then we get to Leah and Leah says that she just wants the people in charge uh, to treat these cast members with more dignity. If you want to be treated with dignity, though, you need to actually conduct yourself in a in a manner that is dignifiable. Right. Or am I wrong to say that? Like, if you're Ramona Singer and you're shitting on the floor, then how do you expect people to treat you with dignity when you're literally shitting on the floor in front of camera? You know, Leah says that she relapsed right before filming and that production knew about her relapse right before filming. Um, But then she also admits that she downplayed her addiction and her sobriety to the producers as well. So it's like you want them to be held accountable, but yet you completely downplayed your addiction to alcohol and you completely downplayed that that was a real issue and a real struggle for you. So how are they supposed to know and how are they supposed to support you through your addiction if you're not actually being open and honest with the producers and saying, hey, I need protection with my addiction. I need support through my addiction, you know, because I'm pretty sure if she told her field producer, hey, I want to make sure that I stay sober and I stay on track, you know, that's, I'm pretty sure they would support her through that. The same way nobody's pressuring, like Lala's not out there taking shots. She's chosen to lean into her sobriety and she very much stands in that. She's chosen to give up drinking. She is now sober. Margaret Josephs does not drink alcohol. She's very much sober. Nobody's pushing her or influencing her to drink more. Same thing with Countess Luann when she was, you know, going through her sobriety journey. 
nobody was ever encouraging her to drink. That was her own battle. And I'm pretty sure she had field producers that were, you know, that were, that's part of the story too, right? They don't want to just see the demise of people. They want to see people see their their story arc through. They want to see people fall and rise again. That's part of reality television. That's called a character arc. And you don't want to just continually, continuously see somebody circle down the drain. You know, I think that's part of the reason Erica Jane got her two-part Bet It All on Blonde spinoff. We saw her get, you know, beaten up by her other cast members for the past two seasons. And then this season, we have that growth, that evolution, that redemption arc. Because one, she's also doing the work. And two, because that's part of the story as well. You know, I think a lot of what was... uh, sold to us by reality stars in this documentary was how much production wants to exploit people by only showing their weaknesses and by only showing them at their worst. But we forget about how many of those moments also have the other side of it, right? We see people fall, but we also have an opportunity to see themselves build themselves back up. We can't disregard that as well because those are very key pivotal parts of the reality stars as well. Um, Brittany, but Lala did say the producers would have a camera in her face if they caught her drinking on camera when people saw her take a water shot. I mean, yeah, listen, that's their job is to follow the story. So if Lala is struggling with her sobriety, you know, the producer's job is to follow that story through, you know, and if Lala then comes to them and is like, hey, I've fallen off the wagon, I need help to get back up. Then I think that that's a bit different if the producers choose not to help her when she's asking for help. But at the end of the day, the producers are not your parents and your grown ass fucking adults that signed a contract to participate in this. I tweeted, somebody didn't like this analogy, but I tweeted out, um, what did I say? I said, it's like being upset. Hold on. Let me read the tweet so I don't um, misquote myself. Um, But I said, I said, you can't be upset that you ran out onto the football field to play in the NFL and then you broke your leg because you were playing a little too rough. I think that that's true. You know the risk that you sign up for when you agree to play tackle football. When you want to be a pro athlete and you want to be in the NFL, you know the risks and you kind of take that on. So, yeah. Um, Shed Media... Then they have a statement from Shed Media, which is the production company that produces Real Housewives of New York. They say that the deci- that decisions are made by the cast members and solely by the cast members. So my question, again, is, is it the producer's fault? They're just doing their jobs to follow the story. You know, the cast members are the ones that lead the story. Yeah, you have producers that kind of try to bridge the stories together for a big high, you know, high level storyline. But, you know, for the most part, cast members are the ones that are leading their lives and living them out on camera and agreeing to be exploited. Leah says that bars cut people off, so producers should be able to cut them off, too. But then uh, lawyer Rich comes in and he says that it's dangerous to claim that producers encourage any of this type of behavior. And I agree with him. You're removing any sort of personal accountability. And when it comes to, you know, people struggling in their own lives, you need to have personal accountability in order to work through your issues. If you constantly point the finger at everybody else, then you're a constant victim and you're blaming everybody else for your issues. Uh, Lawyer Rich, um, or sorry, Shed Media also states that they work with cast members' boundaries around alcohol, that if cast members set boundaries around alcohol, their responsibility is to work with them. 
but it's ultimately at the discretion at each at the discretion of the cast members. Leah claims that she was really struggling with her mental health. She says that she tried to quit, but the producers told her that she should stay so that she could continue to tell out her story. That if she dip, dipped out. Her story would be left open-ended and that this was her opportunity to, I mean, I'm assuming have like a Countess Luann sort of storyline. You know, if Countess Luann just ended at jail, her story would have ended there, but she came back. She leaned into her sobriety. She had, you know, a full 180 moment. Shed Media denies a lot of Leah's claims. Leah says ultimate, um, yeah, they, she denies, they deny that she came to her and tried to quit um, and that they told her not to quit. Leah ultimately stayed on the show, though, despite claiming that she wanted to quit. And let's not forget, she also went on to go and do Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip 3 with the promise of being on Roni Legacy. So she says that she was paid $250,000 for Ultimate Girls Trip. And after filming, she then filed a discrimination claim against the production company because she claims that they violated her human rights in relation to her alcoholism, which she claims is her disability her case was ultimately dismissed and production claims that she was offered a sober companion and that they offered to move her accommodations closer to local AA meetings to support her with her sobriety. She then went on to she then went from trying to file her complaint against which she doesn't reveal. She doesn't tell you they they reveal this in the documentary but she doesn't tell you that her claim was dismissed her discrimination claim. Her lawyers then went after Bravo, requesting that they add more strict rules when it comes to filming. Bethany says that her marriage to Jason Hoppy was exploited by Bravo because they were still airing her wedding episodes while she was divorcing Jason. Meanwhile, she got no residuals from any of that. Lawyer Rich weighs in in here and he says that nobody could have predicted when any of these contracts were originally signed back in the day. Nobody could have predicted how Housewives would have blown up or where any of this would have gone or that streamers would have become, you know, a new revenue generator. Residuals just weren't on anybody's mind, the cast or the network at the time. But he says that the terms of the original contracts are still in place until one of the two parties takes legal action to have any of the clauses amended, but that you have to kind of introduce that first, say, hey, I want to amend this clause within my contract. He makes it sound like it's a possibility. It's just never been challenged by anybody before. None of the cast members have ever gone back to Bravo and say, hey, I would like to adjust my contract and get residuals. Bethany says that Andy didn't make her a star, that he made himself a star on the backs of all of these housewives. She also says that Andy is a big fan of hers. Andy denied to comment in the documentary. We then get a little bit of Raquel Levis and Scandaval. Bethany says that Rachel was ranked, was raked over the coals, but she also doesn't really acknowledge Rachel's role in all of Scandaval. Um, not to say that any of the hate that Rachel got was warranted, but like she did have a role in all of this too. She did participate in lying to Ariana on camera, faking scenes, all while having an affair with Tom Sandoval that lasted seven months and still failing to take accountability. Um, and she was also negotiating to return to the show. And then when the money wasn't right, she was like, okay, I want more money. If you're not going to give me more money, then I'm out. So it seems like she definitely put a price tag on her mental health. She definitely put a price tag. Um, she definitely put a price tag on her dignity, as Leah would say. The Vulture reporter accurately um, 
discusses how Rachel is responsible for her multiple actions and how she definitely wanted to return. And then we get into the last tail end of the documentary. It's under an hour. I want to say it's only like 40 minutes, but then we get into Nick from Love is Blind. And this is where I think there's a little more meat to it, at least towards the end, because he says that it was that Love is Blind and Netflix provided a really distressing experience for him. He says that it felt like they were in a pressure cooker because Love is Blind is where you go on blind dates with people and you don't get to see them, but you agree to get engaged before only based off of conversations with them in the pods. They have all of the different daters in different pods. And so you can only just talk to each other and based off of personality and voice and all of that sort of stuff, you determine whether or not you're connected to this person and then you have to marry them on camera. He says that his partner had a panic attack on set and that the producers never disclosed that information to him, which I get they should have supported her more and um, helped her through that. But I don't know if it's necessarily their place to disclose that she had a panic attack, if that's her personal information and that's considered medical um, because Leah's claiming that her disability is alcoholism. So I think in this case, it does become legally a little dicey. So I don't think it's the responsibility of the producers to disclose that this woman, his fiance just had an anxiety attack or a panic attack. That's her responsibility to reveal that to him on camera. She never revealed that to him. So the context of their conversation seemed a little murky when it was brought up on camera, what they were talking about. He said he wasn't aware of that until well after the fact um, that it just looked like a lover's quarrel when in reality she was really struggling with her mental health, but she didn't really openly share that with him. And I just would think that's like what a normal couple would do. Then we have Jeremy Hartwell, who's also featured. He was barely even on the show, but he's suing the network for inhumane working conditions and violating labor laws on set. He said that there wasn't enough food provided, there wasn't enough sleep allowed, and that, you know, production has full control of the edit. They think that people won't talk because they're afraid of breaching their contracts, and that's why no other reality stars have come forward. Cast members are paid as independent contractors, not employees, which is also pretty standard. As an employee, you have like a salary rate and you get benefits, but independent contractors are usually just for specific projects, which if you're only in one season and how long you last on that season is TBD, then I think it's fair that you're paid as an independent contractor and not an employee. But Nick and Jeremy are now working to make changes in the industry. This to me seems much more plausible and is more interesting than the Bethany and Leah stuff. Lawyer Rich, however, claims that if cast members can sue the network for disliking their edit, then it can really kill the genre overall because it then makes it challenging to produce a reality show because then you're producing the show for the cast members and for making the cast members happy more than you are trying to produce an entertaining television show for the audience. So it becomes focused on appeasing cast members rather than appeasing the people that are viewing it. For example, Liam McSweeney, who filed complaints with no legal standing to support them, you know, that would then have a little more weight. But again, there was, there was no legal standing to support any of her claims. They then share Bravo statement, which claims that they're trying to make more positive changes within the network. So there you go. Um, Reality Reckoning, it's available now on Hulu. Definitely check it out, guys. We have the new season of Vanderpump Rules that is returning at the end of January. I will be recapping that with Josh from Louisiana. We'll be doing weekly recaps, which will follow our Salt Lake City weekly recaps, which we will continue to do throughout throughout December and into the new year. 
Give me a follow at Just Plain Zach if you want to keep up with me. Follow the podcast at No Filter with Zach. And be sure to catch my recap of Real Housewives of Miami and Southern Charm on the Ringer Reality TV podcast. It will be available later today. So be sure to subscribe to the Ringer Reality TV podcast to catch me and Chelsea Stark-Jones. I have to to run from here and go tape that right now because I'm already a little late. But thank you guys for tuning in. I love you. I appreciate you. New episodes of No Filter drop every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday with bonus episodes that drop on Friday. Plus bonus member episodes that drop on Sundays, which will be Real Housewives of Beverly Hills Season 1 recaps with Donna Bowling from Daily Dose of Donna. All right, guys, I love you. I appreciate you. I will be doing my Vanderpump Rules recap with Josh tonight on Josh from Louisiana. That's his YouTube channel. And we will be doing our Salt Lake City recap on Wednesdays. All right, guys, I got to run. But I love you. I appreciate you. Have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday. And let's get ready for hump day. We're going to hump into the week. Let's get it, get it, get it. Yeah, yeah, the hips, girl. All right, guys, love you, man. Bye.